This is Upload Media. podcast your favorite podcast hosted by none other than sarah van cleave oh my god and caleb scales that's me here we are <laughs> bringing some weird energy to the table today Y'all, it's a thursday and i'm feeling thirsty Ooh, yeah. what are you thirsty for dick. <laughs> <laughs> i was like wait do i censor myself i don't know Fuck but it. you know it's othered so <laughs> It's you an know what? You're welcome. Podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. Caleb said what everyone <laughs> is thinking. I too. Oh, do you know what is actually really funny is that I have a friend message me that they were listening to our podcast with their kids in the car. And oh, shit. She was like, I don't normally do this. <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah, very smart. So if you have kids, don't listen to me talk with your kids in the room because that could potentially raise some questions. Um, to be clear, not even I listen to our podcast with my children in the room. That's fair. In fact, I do have a child present, and they are not in the room for this recording. <laughs> right? I wonder if we should close the door. I know. Always. Maybe. Chris got it. <laughs> <laughs> close the door and lock it. Right. <clears throat> Just in so, case. Welcome to our podcast. We're feeling a little cray-cray today. <laughs> and that's okay, because here at Othered, we value people who... <laughs> <laughs> are not normal <laughs> and apparently right. that's us that's us which we already knew but right and you know there's the potential that if you're listening to this podcast that you also don't feel normal so what the fuck is normal anyway exactly that's a great question actually it is let's unpack that let's unpack it <laughs> <laughs> i think normal is overrated actually yeah it's uh it's dumb it's stupid I it hate is that. I have a lot of exciting things that are on my mind. Oh, please tell me. Okay. So most of the time when you're like, how's your week been? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I never do anything. And I really still haven't done anything. However, I (laughs) saw that the government had a hearing over UFOs. What? Yeah. I didn't hear about that. They confirmed that they are in possession of non-human. How did they say it? Like bio organisms i can't think of the exact word Mm. craig's gonna pull her up but basically they confirmed the existence of ufos i think they call it upas now and i can't remember what that stands for either because it was a quick read um and they confirmed the existence of aliens wow isn't that awesome whistleblower tells congress the u.s is concealing multi-decade program that captures ufos well, wow, that's a lot of information to unpack. Oh, my God. I was so excited because I told my mom, I was like, I'm one step closer to returning home. And she looked at me like, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? But <laughs> I just feel like, you know, we're really naive to assume that out of the whole entire galaxy, the that billions exists, and trillions of stars and galaxies that and, are out and there, planets, yeah, that we are just the one. We're so low. Yeah, I think that comes from like a terminal uniqueness. You know that like we are so unique, 
And like we could only possibly be the only ones. We are extremely know. individualistic yeah. uh, <clears throat> beings. Well, especially in the West anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. 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 So that was exciting. That is like way cool. I know. I love that. Me too. <laughs> um, I've also been reading. I love that. Me too. And I actually wrote. Like for pleasure. For pleasure. Yes, all things for pleasure over here. Ooh. Ooh. And shit, I didn't read write down the book that I was reading, <laughs> which I meant to. It's called I'm Pretty Sure Why Fathers Cry at Night. And it's a oh, really cool little. Heavy. It kind of is, but also it's not. It's a memoir, but it's written in um, short essays, poems, and recipes. Ooh, recipe. Yeah. That's fun. I know. It is fun. I really like it. And I'm almost done. So, like, what have you liked about it? Tell us more. Well, it explores... It's uh, by Kwame Alexander, and it's his own personal memoir. But it kind of explores his journey in fatherhood, his journey with his own father, and um, his journey with marriage. Wow. And I love reading... I'm a very doom and gloom gal, as we know. Yes. So I like reading sad shit. And I don't like necessarily reading. I'm not a rom-com, like, beach You're a melancholic gal. person. I am a, yes. I am melancholy. It's just my happy place. Right. Is the sad is place. Is melancholy. <laughs> yes. So I like that he has, like, failed marriages. And that sounds really bad. It's just so real. It is real. It's so authentic. It is. And he is, um, I'm learning now at where I am in this book, that he has a very strained relationship with one of his daughters. And quite honestly, my daughter has been getting on my last fucking nerve <laughs> lately. So I was like, oh my God, this resonates with me and yeah. my soul. Because it talks about how, you know, as a parent, you reach some point where everything you do or say, your kids are like, oh, my God, you're so lame. Or, mm. like, stop talking to me. And that's pretty much Azela right now for some reason. She's, like, 10 going on 19. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's I can resonate with that, too. Mm -hmm. It hits me in my feels. I think that that's important, you know, and I, I also tend to gravitate towards some more melancholic, you know, because I like – I guess it's maybe because I see myself as pretty messy. Like, there's been a lot of mess in my life. There's not things that have been very, um, I don't know, straightforward or, you know, undramatic. Mm -hmm. It's been things that have been hard mm -hmm. and complicated. And mm -hmm. I think that that kind of stuff is dealt with easier or, you know, more head on with some of the melancholy stuff. Me too. You know, I just like melancholy shit. Like there was this movie that I saw recently. It was called Past Lives. And I went to Iowa City at film scene to see it. And uh, it dealt with this um, woman from I think it was South Korea who emigrated to with her family when she was young. But she had this like, you know, childhood like love um, with this guy. And it kind of like it's when there were children and then when they were like in their early 20s and then again when they're in like probably like their mid 30s or late 30s um is it a true story no i don't okay. think so i don't know i didn't find that out but, okay anyway um but it's melancholy because it has to do with like <clears throat> unrequited love in some way you know like or like timing and relationships and how that's a kind of a thing that sometimes just doesn't match up you know and it it was kind of sad but like not 
not sad in like a bad way. It was like, oh, this is kind of tender hearted, but also like the guy and the girl don't like end up together Which, in the way like, you think it's going to happen. Which like eight out of ten you know? times in life, <clears throat> that's the way yeah. it goes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it felt real, you know, even if it was messy and it was whatever, it like... I just I felt like it dealt with real life, mm-hmm. a real life situation. You know, it didn't feel like it was meant to make anybody feel good afterwards. Not right. That I, not that you didn't feel good afterwards, but it, you know, feelings can't aren't always just so. I don't know. Simple. You know, exactly. they can be dynamic. They can be multifaceted. And I think life is. I've been thinking about that a lot in the past year, especially, but couple years. I'm like, life is actually quite shitty. Mm. and not that like every part of life sucks Mm -hmm. but i think that we as humans were like you know we want to believe life is great and all you need is happiness and love and it's like happiness is so fleeting Mm. and that's why i prefer the term joy because joy to me is like something sustainable that you kind of grow and nurture within yourself and Mm -hmm. is not dependent on situations or people and emotion yes right but happiness is like up and down and sometimes you're happy and sometimes you're not. And that is to me very dependent upon people, places, things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I like, I like that shit. Well, yeah, I think it, <clears throat> it's, I feel like there's this idea that we have to simplify life, you know, make it really um, black and white, mm-hmm. you know, and there really is just so much. Like this was gray. a happy time and this was a sad time. Yeah, and nothing is ever really truly black or white. No. Nope. You know? And I think that, the really important, meaningful pieces of life happen in between the really happy and the really sad. Mm, it's mm-hmm. like when you're really sad, but you're becoming happier again, or you're mm-hmm. really happy and then you're going down the hill to whatever. I yeah. think like we remember those happy and sad big chunks, but then there's everything else that happens in between. Mm-hmm. And I think that shows up in our life too, that like, you know, when we m- meet up with each other, we're like, hey, how are you? And we want like good or good you know Mm -hmm. we don't want to hear bad Mm -hmm. because then if it's bad then you have to like explain yourself or you know talk about whatever or even if you just say i'm okay some people get really weirded out by that you know like just okay what do you mean you're just okay Mm -hmm. you know and it's why why can't i just be okay like it's fine Mm -hmm. to be okay yeah and it's not like over the top elated yeah yeah but when people ask you, how are you? Most of the time, it's just a nicety. They're not actually mm. asking how you are right. and wanting to get into your shit. Right. But it's also weird to be like, to, <laughs> to meet somebody and be like, how are you really? <laughs> you know, like not everybody deserves that full answer. You know, that's true. <clears throat> I appreciate it. Yeah. And I feel like I can tell when people are having a bad day. Mm. Like I am truly an empath. So if I walk in a room and your energy's off, like I can immediately mm. tell and be like, what the fuck is going on? Sure. And then people are like, leave me alone. Right. But I don't care. I think, you know, I'm trying to create more space too in my own life to realize that, you know, we have language, right? We speak with our words and whatnot, but there's like so much that humans understand through nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think empaths get that too. Um, but I think that takes power away and maybe even responsibility 
from everybody else who's not quote unquote an empath to you know that they can't read nonverbal to signals express you know and, yeah and i think you know maybe that's even ableist of me to say you know because i think there are people who you know maybe are on the autism spectrum um that have a hard time picking up social clues um you know because it's not said out loud you know and that exists and that's i want to create space for that but um i think human beings and more often than not are able to pick up on nonverbal clues i agree and feelings and energies and like we were able to read each other the more you get to know somebody we just have to pay attention right it's about listening and not just through your ears listen with your heart yeah Ooh, <laughs> that sounds so woo woo <laughs> Listen with your spirit. <laughs> but honestly, goddammit. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. My therapist tells me that people with ADHD um, often are more intuitive because mm. we're searching for unspoken things. Sure. Like, we are looking for cues. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I could go on about this shit all day, but she also tells me that ADHD and autism are like a spectrum. Yeah. And one's on this end and one's on this end. And then in the middle are things like... Oh, um, like ADHD and autism are on the same spectrum. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. And then there's like social anxiety and Tourette's mm -hmm. and uh, one other thing that I can't think of that's OCD. Oh, sure. And that they are all controlled by the same gene. So oftentimes oh. if you have one, you are doing like a pendulum swing sure to and from all of these other things and <clears throat> back interesting i know wow i love therapy oh! <laughs> i love therapy too it's so I, good I yeah i it's a lifesaver honestly it's been uh it's been good for me same i'm not saying that therapy is for everybody but it is for me i'm saying it is okay okay anyway <laughs> <laughs> If you think it's not for you, you're one of the ones that needs it the most. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probs. I mean, here's the deal is that we feel like I there's not a lot of work that I feel like most people do in terms of like learning how to deal with and process and regulate their own emotions. Because mm -hmm. I don't think that a lot of people are taught that because I don't think that their parents probably knew how to do that. Or their mm -hmm. parents' parents or their parents' parents' parents or their parents' 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 parents. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so on and so forth. <laughs> I totally agree, but this is like the energy that's in the room today. It's just so funny. But yes, I agree. It goes back multi-generations. Yeah, and so there's that generational trauma, you know, where like we don't know what the fuck we're doing as adults because we weren't taught and we weren't seeing that, you know, mirrored or imaged for us or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. That like we need to we're realizing that there's more of a need for that now. And I think that's why you see on social media so much, like, or maybe that's just me because of my algorithms, but like about healing and about mm -hmm. <clears throat> conscientious and mindfulness and, um, you know, talk about trauma. And I feel like that's come up so much in, you know, society that like, that's kind of a buzzword or whatever that people are talking about it, but I still think it's misunderstood. I agree. I notice it a lot and I'm really into it just because as I parent, my own children, I am also reparenting young me. Mm, and mm -hmm. I have those thoughts. Like, I feel like meditation and yoga helps yeah. with, with actually finding that space in between a stimuli and a response and yes. having that second where you choose your reaction. Oh, I love this conversation. Mm, me too. Look, look, we are letting the universe guide us. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> but I notice with my kids, sometimes something will happen and I'll have my instinctual reaction. And then I have that second that's like, 
okay, how much do you want to spend in therapy on your children later? Not much. So then I have like a regrouping and then Mm. I try and approach whatever situation has just happened differently in a way that my two children and Mm. my inner child can all love and appreciate and feel happy with. And I don't always get it right. And I've also had the, I also tell myself like we can't respond as a tenured psychologist all the time. Right. Cause I'm sure. still a human. So well, there are yeah. times that I'm like, go ahead and yell. <laughs> you don't need to like, this isn't a therapy room. Like y- you can yell. They'll be fine. Right. You and I think that's something to be said about, you know, uh, okay. So I think society asks us to do a lot when we're regulating our emotions, right. To like, as adults, we shouldn't be able to like, yell or cry or whatever but these are all things that happen like in children right mm-hmm. like we should learn how to regulate our emotions appropriately but i think a regulate lot of times, not stop right exactly you recognize what's happening and be able to express it in the right way mm-hmm. you know given the context and given the situation yep. circumstances whatever um but like at the end of the day you're still human mm-hmm. you know and you still have this like somatic like energy that builds up as an emotion you should you still need to figure out how to get that energy released mm-hmm. right yes um and i think we do a bad job and we do a disservice to um adults when we you know try to pigeonhole um certain emotional, emotional responses reactions. yeah i totally agree you know and i yeah like i said i don't think we've learned how to do that appropriately i agree i had a girlfriend who um she's actually my bestie she lives in atlanta <laughs> excuse me my female bestie oh okay and <laughs> as i just walked in on you and your other bestie uh, cheating on me oh over lunch but it's okay God, i'm gonna choose my re- my reaction to my emotional <laughs> stimulation right now <laughs> but she had a roommate and she was like every day when my roommate gets home she comes home she doesn't speak to me she's mad she's like slamming the refrigerator door she's stomping around and i think that's so rude and i was like well why and she's like because she's throwing a temper tantrum and i was like so where is it safe then for your roommate to act out? Mm. Because you guys share a house and she's like, yeah, we share a space. She shouldn't act like that. And I was like, well, where is it safe for her to act like that? And she was like, well, she's a grown ass woman. She shouldn't be having temper tantrums at all. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, do you think that you feel that it's unsafe to have temper tantrums because as a child, there was such a strong repercussion or mm. assumed repercussion when right. you acted that way because me or like I'd, shame or whatever yes, put on that or yeah. guilt. Yeah. I I am a temper tantrum thrower. Like that's not something I love about myself, but I also recognize the need for the somatic release. Yeah. And there have been times in my life that I have thrown a temper tantrum and I have taken like one of the things I love to do is throw shit. Mm-hmm. So when I've been by myself I sometimes will go outside and take wine bottles and throw them and break them Mm. because it's that's kind of fun. It kind of is. It's like a rage room. Right. At home. DIY. Mm, I love that. And so I understand the need that I have to actually release that build up inside Mm -hmm. and it's healthy, but you can do it in healthy ways. Right. And so I just say that to say, yes, you don't outgrow the need to cry or scream or throw you just Mm -hmm. learn how to do it safely Mm -hmm. and to um, not harm other people yeah right Mm -hmm. um and i love that you brought up yoga because i i do feel like my life has been so 
transformed and is like constantly being challenged to transform um, through the practice. You know, I feel like it's kind of one of these like portals that you open up and it's like never ending. Mm-hmm. It's like the practice of yoga is so much more than just asana, yeah. you know, or the poses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, you know, and the focus on the breath and the pranayama, you know, the moments that happen where you slow down and you recognize what's happening in your body and the emotions rise up and what to do with those things. What is pranayama? Ooh, pranayama is energy work and mm. en- energy control. Prana is energy. Life force Yama energy. is control. Right. Um, but pranayama usually exists as, as a practice through breath work. Mm-hmm. So controlling the breath. Controlling and, energy. Yeah, controlling energy because mm-hmm. that's the life energy is yeah. breath, right? Um, and I... I do recognize like when I'm in emotional dysregulation, when I am freaking out or I'm anxious or I'm angry or I'm sad, that breath work changes everything. And it's so weird and kind of awesome at the mm-hmm. same time um, to experience, you know, what's happening in my head. And when like I'm thinking about these emotions, like I'm really sad or whatever and feel shut down in my body. But when I start to breathe, the body starts to experience it in a different way and it's like able to move through my body in a better way. Yep. Um, that the connection between the emotional life and my body is interconnected through the breath. Everything is connected. Oh, it's so connected. Oh my God. I love connection. Me too. I love my connection with you. Same. Mm. Mm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but... Um, <laughs> um, what was I saying? That you love yoga mm. or you love I brought up yoga. Yeah. Oh, yes. And okay. learning how to feel your shit and not harm others. Uh, yes. Okay. So here's one thing that I've been thinking a lot about because Sarah and I actually are going to be um, teaching slash leading sessions at a festival this weekend. Harmony Fest. Harmony Fest. So by the time you guys hear this, Harmony Fest will have Passed. happened already. Uh. So and maybe we'll have seen we'll see you. you, yeah, there. Yeah. Um. So to those that I will see, it was good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming to our classes. <laughs> oh, such a weirdo! Oh my god, <laughs> this is an odd day. It really is, but I'm kind of enjoying it. It's been a wild ride, but I'm, you know, it's nice to have you along with me. So here we are. Um. But yeah. Um. In preparing for uh, this Harmony Fest, I've been doing a lot of reading. I uh, am going to be teaching a LGBT or not LGBTQ. It is LGBTQ, but it's a queer and trans yoga session um, that <coughs> uh, my friend Ken and I have uh, taught two years in a row. This will be the third. Um, but I came across this book at Prairie Lights because I've also been reading recently and I, uh, was drawn to it by the colors. It was really bright and pink and We love a good cover. Honestly, yes. We do Um, judge books by the cover here. I judge wine by the cover too. Same. Um, but it was a book on trans and queer yoga by this, uh, trans, uh, yogi, Jacoby Ballard, and I had no idea who this person was until I picked up the book and started doing some research. But it's been eye-opening, mm-hmm. you know, because it's um, it talks all about things of oppression and cultural appropriation and racism uh, within yoga 
spaces outside of and even outside of yoga, you know, but how yoga can help transform and heal those things. And if you're actually living the yogic path, right. that is your responsibility. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's funny, too, uh, you know, because I like on my Instagram or my social media that my algorithm, my for you page or whatever, always constantly brings up things about social justice and racism and homophobia and all these things. But then also yoga, because I'm a yoga teacher. I teach yoga a lot. I, you know, look up yoga gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's constantly feeding me um, this content from creators who do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came across, um, you know, I keep coming across more and more creators who are talking about um healing oppression and cultural appropriation and racism through yoga. Mm-hmm. And it's it just feels really great and cool to approach yoga from that mindset as opposed to the Western kind of workout, like Pilates mindset mm-hmm. of yoga, which is really uh, a gross mm-hmm. understanding of what yoga actually is. Agreed. That it is appropriated and it's like kind of not what yoga is about. It's not at all what you not at all. Like it's very like one very small subset of a very specific kind of yoga because there's different kinds of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, that asana even showed up, and that's like so fascinating to me. I always well, I shouldn't say always. If I see new students who are in my um, yoga class, I. At the end, when we do Shavasana, which is corpse pose, when you're just lying there enjoying life, Mm -hmm. I tell people that most of the time when we come to physical yoga class, we are there for the asanas or the physical Mm -hmm. postures. But the real point of asanas, um, yoga was created as like a training tool for young men, Mm -hmm. like young men like 10 year olds 11 year olds 13 year olds and the asana portion yes and when you are you know a young man you have a lot of energy Mm. so the goal of asana was to exhaust the physical body so that these young men could settle into meditation and this Mm. was all like a preparation for war uh so i remind students that like while we love coming here for the physical postures, the real goal is to quiet your body so you can quiet your mind and be still and meditate, mm-hmm. which is the real work. And I hope that that sinks in with some people. I don't mm-hmm. know whether it does or not, but I taught a class that I don't normally teach. It was a power yoga class last week, and I made sure to add that in mm-hmm. come Shavasana time because, again, power yoga is one where mindfulness is not at the forefront of that particular practice Mm. and the other classes I teach it (coughs) is so I just wanted to throw that in there so that everyone remembered like hey we love it here we love yoga Mm -hmm. but we also love being quiet and still and having the mindfulness portion as well yeah and I think a lot of western civilization kind of shies away from that you know because I think yoga means to yoke, right? To join together. And mm-hmm. I think that's on a broader spectrum of, you know, life, you know, connecting our brain to our body and our brain to our emotions and our emotions to our soul, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But also to from human to human, mm-hmm. you know, um, that there's connection that can be had there. And when we practice only one form of a very westernized kind of yoga, we 
kind of we we are appropriating it right we're taking this one very small subset of a yogic practice and treating it like oh this is what we were okay with and this is what fits our you know mal um i don't know what we value in society which is you know like looking good and being able to like be fit and whatever um but we don't want to sit with connection mm-hmm. you know that's uncomfortable mm-hmm. it's really hard for us to do and i think you know connection is opens up the door to a lot of you know issues and oppression that we have in society and um i don't know like oh i'm gonna open up the pandora's box you know but just like open it uh, crack that bitch open <clears throat> i think connection shows us you know what could potentially be wrong with us in society too, i was just gonna say you know? it kind of shows us what is missing right but if we points out the gaps yeah it does because if we're not connected we get to live in our little vacuum mm-hmm. and think that everything is as we believe it to be which is rarely actually how things are in real life right mm-hmm. i always notice when people have a hard time being still also in shavasana um, and then when, because I like an extra long Shavasana so I can do some sound healing. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards people will be like, oh my God, that was a long time or my back hurt or my, my, my. And I'm like, sure. Yes. Maybe your back hurts. Cause you don't normally lie flat. However, do you think that you're just not comfortable being alone with you and connecting with mm. the most important person in <clears throat> this room, which is your own self. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't actually say that but I do think it Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do think people struggle with connecting with others because they don't necessarily want to see that mirror that Mm. reflects what they don't know how to connect with themselves yes and they don't know how to connect with themselves right and I have in the past couple years since finding yoga too and making it a regular part of my life, I have been able to connect so much deeper with myself. And part of that's also therapy. And I think part of that is being a parent and choosing, you know, again, to reparent me as I'm parenting my kids. Um, And it's made it a lot easier for me to connect with other people. And I love that, that connection right there is that connecting with yourself should also be a part of the focus, you know, towards connecting with other people. Mm-hmm. That, like, just connecting with yourself isn't, like, you know, the only goal. Well, because if you're only connected with you, again... It just becomes more individualistic. Yes, right. you're still stuck in the vacuum. You right. use it as a tool to go connect with other people. And I just... I really want that for other people. I think life is really long and also really short but you have to be with you the Mm -hmm. whole time. And when everything else goes away and you leave the podcast studio or you leave Mm -hmm. the yoga studio and you're driving in your car and there's no one else there, you've got you. And in the happiest of times, in the most melancholy of times, you're stuck with you. And if you cannot sit with you and connect and feel okay, or at least get to a place of understanding Mm -hmm. with you, life is going to be really hard. And then it's going to feel excruciating. Yeah. I I love what you're saying. And I have had so many thoughts about it. I think, you know, like we, you just said, <clears throat> life can be really long and really short. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's kind of what you make it. You know, I think it's a lot of times where I've been on auto, autopilot and I've basically shut myself off to being mindful about anything that I'm doing. And I'm just kind of existing and I'm mm-hmm. going through the motions and I'm being mechanical or whatever. 
but you know, since I've gotten sober and in, and in the process of getting sober, like my days seem to last forever. Days are long, years are and short. Yeah, and it's um, it's like I'm. I joke, it's like I'm raw dogging life, you know? I'm just like out here living it and I have to be sober for all of it, mm -hmm. any and all of the experiences. Um, and it makes me, you know, it provides an opportunity to be more mindful, which means that like I'm conscious of the moments that are happening, which definitely slows time down, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I think that creates an opportunity for more connection with myself, but also more importantly, with people like you or people who are in my circle mm -hmm. and, you know, potentially there then, um, strangers, mm -hmm. they're a greater community. Mm -hmm. But I think we probably should take a break and give our listeners a break from us for a minute. Not from us. Not from us. <laughs> you know, go think on that, okay? Meditate on that. <laughs> and then bring your thoughts back. Right. <laughs> I was really good at that transition, by the way. I loved that. Good job. <laughs> When you hold me like that It was so long ago But it's all coming back to me Now <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish that was captured <laughs> Oh, Lord I love Celine <laughs> Who doesn't? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we were having a really nice little karaoke time on our yeah. break. It's been great. We Today's sang been a great Celine. day. What else? Who was that by? Oh. I know I, Christina Aguilera was in it. Mm, I don't know, but we just love ballads. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Power ballads. Oh, yes. Ugh. Yeah. Power I'm, I'm so ballads. into feelings right now. Feelsy. Feelsies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so back to the conversation at hand. Back to it. It's all coming back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> so we were talking about oppression in yoga. These <laughs> <laughs> big things. <laughs> and oh it's God. not funny, okay? Dude. I just, yeah, I don't know. It's not funny to oppress people in yoga. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. We are the oppressed. Right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> My brain just went completely blank. Well, I like, okay, Caleb asked me um, while we were out on break, what chakra, I guess, I am feeling is most strong or that I'm working on mm -hmm. or Active what resonates or with me right Locked, now. Whatever. Mm -hmm. And I <laughs> told him that I feel like I'm really focused on my root chakra right now at this point in my life. What is the root chakra? So the root chakra is at your little feet. And it's literally, I think of it as literal roots. They're mm. what helps you feel grounded. Sometimes it can be family or past family or things that help you feel stable or grounded. Mm. Um, maybe right. things that have uprooted you. Mm. But I, at this point in my life, um, you know, I've connected with a lot of my biological family members um, I'm finding 
so much love and joy in my relationship with my sisters and my brother, um, really focusing on home and the people and fuzzy friends and plants that inhabit it mm. because I stepped away from my job. I just am feeling really at home in myself. And I'm kind of loving this for me. And I want to just let it keep flowing mm -hmm. and r rooting, rooting down, grounding. Grounding, yeah. yeah. Um, that is so important to be grounded because I think, <clears throat> you know, day to day, it's easy to become ungrounded, mm -hmm. to um, lose touch mm -hmm. with, you know, what is secure and what's stable and what's... Um, where you're at even sometimes in time and space. Yeah. And things like family and, you know, security and where you come from are all a part of that. Mm -hmm. I also told you that I feel, I love a good plant metaphor. Plants and yoga are where my best metaphors come mm, from. Yes. Yes. And nature. And nature. Um, but I feel like I am a root bound plant that's been pulled from its vessel. And if you guys have ever repotted a plant, when you do pull out a root bound plant, those roots are very, very long and tangly and they take the literal shape of whatever vessel was holding it. And then if you correctly repot a plant, you're supposed to loosen that root system, get all of the old dirt out because old dirt has no nutrients anymore. Mm. Um, it is taking up space and it's going to prevent growth. So you have to get the dirt out. You have to untangle the roots. Sometimes you even need to trim them because mm -hmm. if the roots are too long, it can't continue to grow. So you got to just do a little snip, a snip, little little cut, cut every here and there. And then you got to find a pot that's not too much bigger, not smaller. Mm-mm but just the appropriate size. And then you repot your plant. But guess what? Your plant actually might not grow for a while. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it like takes off and you're like, oh, look at it go. And sometimes you might even lose leaves. Yeah, sometimes like you might see some regression. it's in shock yeah. that you just fucked up its little habitat. Right. That it was nice you upset the status quo. You did. But what you want to say to the plant is, bitch, you weren't growing. Right. You were stagnant. You didn't have any nutrients to pull from anymore, baby. You were going to die. Right. All the fertilizer that I'd been giving you. You were starving. Yeah. It wasn't doing anything because you were not in the correct space. Right. You didn't have any more room to grow. You had no more room. And so now we're going to give you some more room. We are. And it might take you a while to understand what we've done. Right. But you will grow. And so you're that plant. I am that plant. <laughs> <laughs> We're all that plant. We are. Everyone look inside of you <laughs> and realize your root bound plant self. You know, and I feel like it's funny because we are joking about it in a way, but it's so true, though, mm -hmm. that like growth happens through this kind of traumatic. Well, maybe not traumatic, but this experience where you have to kind of shake things up a little bit. You have to upset shake the status quo shake it up right we're just gonna keep bringing them song references too yes this is a glee episode yeah <laughs> yes um that's gay <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know glee was gay then i'm sorry but it's gay <laughs> i didn't know what 
I mean, I guess I knew. <sighs> okay, never mind. We're going to bypass that. But, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, the experience of growth that happens um, does upset the status quo. And I think there's something, you know, that happens. You have to be honest about, you know, sometimes the container that you're in isn't giving you any more space to grow. Mm-hmm. And you're starved for nutrients. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have any real, you know, I don't know. There's no system of, of in place to absorb and receive anymore. Right, yeah. The system that was in place is not working. Mm-hmm. So before you lose the whole plant, you got to move. Mm-hmm. And it can be really uncomfortable. Totes. In fact, and it is scary. Yeah. Absolutely. And time consuming. And I think, you know, even in kind of continuing that metaphor of, you know, when you put it into a new pot and you give it new soil, you might see some, you know, regression mm-hmm. um and i think you know I, I guess i hear a lot about that in healing um talks about healing where like you know old habits kind of come up um but i guess that's just op- opportunities to continue to grow mm-hmm. right to um deal with the past mm-hmm. and to deal with you know maybe your own participation in your own suffering mm-hmm. um but i think going back to yoga um you know there's in yoga, there's two limbs of the Ashtanga practice um, called the Yamas and the Niyamas. And um, in the Yamas, there's two that I feel like I've been focusing on a lot, and they're called Ahimsa and Satya. Ahimsa is um, a practice of nonviolence and non-harming, um, and Satya is about a kind of a benevolent truth-telling, mm-hmm. right? And I think that there's this aspect of... Um, my yoga practice that when I am coming to the yoga mat and I'm coming to, um, you know, being mindful about where I'm at in my life and where I'm at in society and my participation in it, um, that I'm trying to cultivate more, um, non-harming and more truth. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's funny when you start to like focus on those things, you see how much, how impactful, you know, harm or the way that you harm yourself or the way that you, you know, are lying to yourself or lying to other people to protect yourself or whatever, um, how often all those things kind of come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, in Ahimsa, like I recognize, you know, that I was pretty deep in addiction and that I was harming myself through, you know, drinking to excess. Um, but also I noticed that, you know, smoking is another form of, you know, um, violence towards myself and my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been trying to cut that out, not today, but <laughs> you know, I, uh, I am trying to, uh, kind of moderate my violence towards myself, mm-hmm. but also being conscious of that makes me more conscious of the ways that violence exists in the world around me mm-hmm. through forms of like oppression and, um, racism homophobia all these things Mm -hmm. you know and being conscientious of those and making sure that i'm not participating in that Mm -hmm. um but then in satya too you know being truthful and being honest with myself then also to these power structures Mm -hmm. you know and speaking truth to power Mm -hmm. and keeping accountability there it's the accountability piece for me I am one where I can justify pretty much anything, Mm. anything, good or bad. Mm. I bought myself a dress today. Did I need it? 
No, but I was able to justify it because I'm like, well, it's a T-shirt dress. It's super easy to throw on and it looks cute enough to wear out in the world, but also cash enough that I can throw on some sandals and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I, I guess I bring that up to say accountability is key and that when I'm more <laughs> when I'm honest with myself, mm. um, I won't make poor decisions or I'll have that moment in between the stimulus and the actual purchase of Mm. the said dress and think maybe you don't need it. And sometimes I do it anyway. But then I think once you do something, once you commit an act, you know, being honest about why you did it and then letting it Mm. go too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that sometimes being honest with yourself can then play into avoiding the self-harm. Yeah. Because well, yeah, it's all connected. We when we make a bad decision, mm-hmm. we there's so much shame sometimes mm. around it, which shame is self-harm. You're hurting you when you let yourself sit in shame. But instead of just being like, well, that wasn't your best choice, like and then keep it moving, mm-hmm. you know, then you're like, okay, I'm being honest and I'm not hurting myself. I'm not going to beat myself up over something mm-hmm. I shouldn't have done. I know that Once I got, this is another really stupid analogy. Um, I hate cleaning. Like, I hate cleaning. Mm. And I journaled a couple years ago. I was like, you know what? I fucking hate cleaning. I hate it. I hate it. Every second I spend cleaning, I hate life. And then you know what? My house got cleaner. Mm. I don't know why, but I think, like, admitting to myself that I, like, hate this task and I'm not the best at it Mm. allowed me some space to deal with whatever feelings I had around cleaning. I don't even know where it comes from, um, but it's helped me be better at cleaning. I love that. I know it's really <laughs> weird, but like these are the things that are really easy for me to lie about because sure. I am a very aware person. So I'm not mm. lying to myself about big shit. I'm lying to myself about stupid things stupid like petty things things. yes sure like well i think it's funny too that like shame shows up in so many areas of our life you know that like if i don't have a clean house and like there's something to be ashamed of you know that it means something bad about you Mm -hmm. um but i think you know this is something that i've been experiencing a lot too is like a a form of gentleness Mm -hmm. um with myself and with um moving forward because i think that there's constantly like this drive and hustle culture that like i have to go, 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 and exert all this energy all the time in order to um, grow or be where I want to be. And I think sometimes I experience more growth and more positive experiences in my life when I'm gentler, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of that comes through in, like, resting Mm -hmm. and, like, intentionally resting Mm -hmm. and not just being like, oh, I'm going to take a nap and that makes me lazy, you know, and then fretting about that for so long but um i see so many people in yoga too who are like i'm gonna push myself to the edge of this pose and i'm gonna try so hard at yoga and it's like you're not gonna you can't win right you can't win at yoga this is a (laughs) self-practice who are you i mean yeah you're competing against you but like and that's the thing when i'm in yoga and when I first started going, I was hyper aware of everybody. I knew mm. exactly what the people beside me were doing or how far they were bending or what I wasn't doing. I have noticed that I rarely even open my eyes when I'm in practice. Now. Yes. Yeah. My eyes are closed most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like I am 
truly focused on the breath. I don't care what anyone else is doing. Mm. When I started yoga, I would refuse um, blocks. I would refuse a bolster. I didn't Mm -hmm. want any props because I was like, I don't need it. It, And sometimes it's not about whether you think you need it or not, but Mm -hmm. it's about accepting a a gentler approach or accepting safety Mm -hmm. or accepting stillness. And I think oftentimes I, I try and remind myself that emotions and thoughts and feelings are there as a tool mm. um, to tell you that something's off. Yeah, you don't need posts. to stay. Yes, you don't yeah. need to stay there. And you just because you know, I felt like God, your house is so messy. And then I felt shame around having a messy house. But it's like, yeah, it, and maybe that's there to tell you that you're not a good cleaner. <laughs> Focus on the <laughs> things that you can, and then uh, things change. Mm-hmm. So like, it's also accepting acceptance is key mm-hmm. yeah but we hate that oh yeah i mean it's it's uncomfortable to accept what is you it know is. and even like going back to what you were saying earlier in the um in this recording is that you know that life is shitty sometimes mm-hmm. and that's true i mean that's like what one of uh the noble truths in buddhism is that like life is suffering mm-hmm. you know suffer and, well man yeah <clears throat> um and it's okay mm-hmm. um we just have to do our part and not per- like perpetuating more suffering, mm-hmm. you know, but suffering is going to happen, you know, like death and taxes are always going to be there, but um, we can do our best to minimize our participation in suffering. I've also told myself, I actually have journaled this too, that I really want to learn how to suffer well mm-hmm. because <clears throat> there are times when, and I think when we say suffering, we're not talking about like, I don't know, like a a really hard oppressive force. I think sometimes it can, mm-hmm. but sometimes suffering is just like life. Like, yes, bills to pay. You pay mm-hmm. your taxes. It's a, a type of suffrage or you're working really hard to get to the next step. It doesn't always have to be like a really hurtful thing. It just is kind of like the minute shit that you deal with in life yeah suffering happens at the macro and the micro Mm -hmm. level yeah Mm -hmm. so it's like if i learn how to take whatever is happening and just breathe through it Mm -hmm. and not stop breathing and you know not try and push myself through but accept it Mm. and just suffer well and things you do suffer better yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's this idea of, like, resistance versus acceptance, yeah. right? And that, like, only true change can happen through acceptance is, like, one of these weird, like, ideas that I've been confronted with a mm-hmm. lot recently um, is that the only way to move forward sometimes is to accept where you're at. Mm-hmm. And only then can you really fully change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. That's really uncomfortable. Yeah. It, acceptance is hard. Yes. Um. But I think that's where, you know, things like the moments between uh, an emotional catalyst and an emotional response happen, mm-hmm. you know, is that kind of space in between there where you can, ex- like, learn to accept what's happening and then choose a different path mm-hmm. or choose a healthier path. Maybe. I agree. And I think that that can start to happen at a macro level, you know, if you start to pay attention to the micro levels, mm-hmm. you know, those small moments. Through breath and through maybe stillness and connection with others. (laughs) 
Ew. Yuck. Other people. <laughs> you just made that face like, <laughs> I was just thinking about how like when I go to yoga class, I'm like, well, bye everyone. Yeah. See you later. And I leave afterwards. But you're right. It It is connecting with people. But I do love people. Mm. And I know. As gross as that is. I know. They're really important. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You all are important. Yeah. You all are. Except for the ones that aren't, and you know who you are. Right, exactly. No, you. <laughs> it's you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just love this little journey that we're on in life right now. Mm, I would agree with that. I am really, I think grateful is probably, you know, this attitude that I feel like I'm trying to incorporate more in my life is that I'm grateful for the experience of, you know, some suffering, but also through learning mm-hmm. more about myself and the ways that I can grow and change and suffer less and or suffer better. better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think often like, oh, my God, how amazing that we are the only animals on the planet that have the emotions we do and mm-hmm. that we get to experience happiness and that we get to experience sadness and that we get to really feel grief and loss and joy and love and mm-hmm. all of the shit that comes with living. Mm-hmm. It can be so bad, but it can be so good. And we're the only ones that get to do it. Mm-hmm. What a gift. Lean into it. Lean the fuck in. So you can experience the fullness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I love you. I love you. Oh, I don't know if there's much to say beyond that. You know, that I I love you and I love this experience and I love, you know, our listeners and I, you know, keep hoping for more, I don't know, equanimity or kindness to be shared in the world. Mm-hmm. Same. I also love you and I really love our listeners. Yeah. And I feel like the people who are embarking on this journey with us care about the same things and are out here trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. So um, we'll see you at Harmony Fest. (laughs) (laughs) Or we will have seen you. We will have seen you. (laughs) (laughs) And in the meantime, um, listen to Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now. And also well, potentially um, foreigners. I want to know what love is. Oh, that one's always a good one. It's my go-to. I know. It's you my. Do it's love my. Foreigner. Yeah, I do. I like foreigner too. I don't know if that's like my fave foreigner song, but it's a good one. It's the most ballady of them. Ballad. Ballad. <laughs> Balladi. <laughs> uh, and come to yoga class. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Do that. Yeah. When do you teach? Um, I teach. Um. Like in general, my class schedule. Your is class like, schedule. Oh yeah, it's uh Wednesdays and Fridays at noon at Breathing Room. Cool. Mm-hmm. I teach Mondays at noon and at five thirty p.m. And if you are a person of color, I would love color. to see you on Sundays at noon for people of color yoga. Yeah. Or yoga for people of color. Both. Both. All of it. Yes, all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, I on guess we're going to get the hell out of here. Right. Oh, wait. I'm so sick of talking to you. Um, Go. <laughs> me? Not to you. Okay. To our listeners. Go follow us on um Instagram 
at other the podcast. Yeah, and send us a DM and tell us what your favorite um, ballad is. Slide on in. Yeah, slide on into that DM. Into the DM. Yeah. And um, like, review, subscribe, share our podcast. Right? That was like so uh, like social media influencer view. Oh my God, I'm such an influencer. (laughs) (laughs) We love you guys. We love you guys. Peace out. Yeah, talk to you later. Mm.